People buy residential landscape services because they want to have experiences outside with their family and friends in a beautiful environment. But how do you sell experiences to people before they even have them? In today's episode, landscape architecture owner Joe Hanauer shares how he uses photos to sell experiences, plus the technology that he uses in the sales process he's developed over the last 25 years, including how he does site surveys quickly and efficiently using a cool program. Joe shares personal business stories like how he did door-to-door sales to sell snow removal services just to survive to now running a design-build firm with a wait list. Listen to Joe for the ups and downs of growing a big team and then having to let nearly half of his staff go during the 08 recession to what's it like now running a smaller organization. Check out this episode for tons of actionable sales tips, including how to get away with charging for consultations, even when you're a nice Midwesterner in a town where no one else charges for consultations, and why charging for consultations ultimately serves your customer better. We weren't getting the leads that I knew we could. We weren't getting the right leads. What started happening is that our our leads are more qualified. Our sales have probably gone up by about 10 to 15% a year. We're going to increase our sales volume by a million dollars in a year. Hey everyone, Jack Jostis here and welcome to the Landscaper's Guide. I'm super excited to have Joe Hanauer on the show because he's not only a tremendous landscape designer, he's also an excellent public speaker and a dynamic podcast guest. In today's episode, we talk about one of my absolute favorite topics and specialties, sales process. A small adjustment and improvement in your sales process can not only massively increase your revenue and profit, but it can also significantly improve your quality of life by saving you hours and hours every week from meeting with unqualified leads, or it can save hours and hours a week for the people who are doing sales at your company if it's not you. If you'd like to work directly with me on your sales process, I invite you to join me at one of my two upcoming sales process workshops. On May 19th, I'll be presenting the Saima Compass Network Sales Jam available exclusively to active SIMA members. And on May 26, I'll present the Landscaper's Guide to Advanced Lead Qualification. You can't miss these events, so check out the show notes for a link to landscapersguide.com slash events where you can get more information. And now let's hear what Joe has to say about his experience running landscape architecture over the last 25 years. All right, everyone, welcome to the Landscaper's Guide. Today, I'm really excited to interview Joe Hanauer. He's the owner of Landscape Architecture in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, Joe and I, I, I'm trying to remember where we connected originally, but we then finally met. We were both speakers at iLandscape in um, February of 2022, and you presented on technology. I really enjoyed it. And um, Thanks so much for coming on the show. Tell us a little bit about your company and what kind of work you do. Yeah, so I have a company. It's called Landscape Architecture. We're in Madison, Wisconsin. This is our uh, 25th year of business. So we've been very blessed to to be around for quite a long time and through the ups and downs. Um, Typically, I have um, about 10 to 12 employees through the season. And we uh, focus mainly on design build. I like to say we're kind of a boutique design build company we um 
we'll do anything outdoors uh, that, that really leads to creating a great outdoor space for our customers, whether it's uh, pergola lighting, um, fire features, uh, you know, really just about anything we, we can build it and do it and, and can do most of it in-house. We also get involved in a little bit of snow removal services. That's about 10% of our business, um, but we, uh, we don't get involved in other maintenance. Well, that's, that's really interesting. You know, it, it's, it's, it's fun talking with landscapers and working with landscapers. None of them, no two companies have the same service markup. I don't, I yeah. don't know anyone else who does 10% snow, but no other maintenance as, as an example. Yeah, right. So, so it, it is always interesting. And before we started recording, I, I wanted to hear some of the personal story of how you got into snow uh, back in the yeah. day. Uh, like what, what happened? <laughs> Well, you know, I, my, my wife was pregnant and we had uh, a friend that she grew up with that had moved to California and got married and um, it, her husband had never seen fall color. So they came to Wisconsin in October. We went up to Door County and, and really had a nice week. And uh, I got back to work and was told that we had um, one week left to work. It was, uh, the, the company was going out of business on that Friday. So, so we had one last week. Um, so I found out that that uh, you know car dealerships will sell a truck and sell a snowplow to just about anybody. So I bought one um, and I went door to door and sold a bunch of snow removal and supported our family that winter. And that that was the launch of landscape architecture. You started out doing door to door sales, selling snow removal to survive, to feed your family. Uh, yep. Suddenly, you know, out of a job, and now you run um, a landscape you run landscape architecture and you're doing outdoor yeah. living and design build projects. So through some of our personal conversations, I, you know, I've heard, you know, what's it been like through the 25 years and tell us a little bit about, you know, some of the, the challenges that you've had and now where are you at now? kind of in your career? I really enjoy the, the perspective you have on yeah. what you're doing and you're enjoying what you're doing. And it's partly through some of these challenges. So tell us yeah. some of the stories. Yeah. So um, first of all, I, I mean, I became a landscape architect uh, primarily because, uh, believe it or not, I, I was accepted West Point. I was going to West Point and, and going to be in the Army. And and I ended up uh, tearing up my knee my last year of high school and and couldn't go. And, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And, and my dad basically said, hey, you love being outside, you love art, why not, why not try landscape architecture? And so I, I applied to the University of Wisconsin, was accepted and, and have a degree in, in landscape architecture. I also have a degree in horticulture because uh, I, I just believe the plants are really important for what we do as well. But, you know, so that, and I only tell that because I, I really view myself as an artist. I love art, I love, I love design. And, and that's what I enjoy doing. So when I started the business, I, I actually started as, as a designer and I, and I would really design for other companies. And I designed for a lot of other companies and, and found, I found a couple of things. One, one I, I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting a lot of, of, of um, second chances with customers. In other words, we do a project with them and then I wouldn't work with them again. And I found that that a lot of the a lot of my um, landscape companies were kind of cutting me out. Uh, I also found that I was getting very suspicious quality in, in the work. 
and and was basically told a couple times just don't even worry about it this is what we're doing and and it really bothered me i just i just couldn't handle that because uh, that's just not the way i was brought up and and you know i was selling something and trustees weren't really putting in what i was selling and you'd cover it up with bark or a little bit of mulch and nobody knows and and that's just not me I thought, you know what? I want to run a business the way I want to run a business. I want to, I want to, I want to have good relationships with vendors. I want to be able to call a vendor, and if I need something, they're able to deliver it for me or get it to me because we have a great relationship. And and I think part of that is just is just being a good customer as well as being a good, um, you know, a, a good a good person and a, and a, you know, just working the way we should work. So so that was all part of my idea of how I wanted to grow my business and develop it. One of the things that I uh, took away from your presentation at iLandscape that I I'm noticing as I've looked, I've kind of reviewed yeah. your website is that you do your, a lot of your own photography. Yes. And yeah. even though you don't maintain your landscapes, you're able to go yeah. and get a photo two, three, yeah. five years later of a mature landscape. So a lot of yes. your, a lot of your photos are of there's, there's color in here. I'm looking at some of uh -huh. these patios with some of the annuals in there. Yep. And tell us a little bit about how did you learn to do photography? I've done a lot of reading, <laughs> a lot of, <laughs> and a lot of just playing with a camera. I, again, I love photography I, and I wish I knew more about it, but you know, um, I just, I always carry a camera. I believe that's one of the things you should always have. So I've got a good digital DSL, DSLR camera with, uh, and I, and I like to shoot with a wide angle lens. I do have a couple other lenses for, you know, when I'm seeing something and I want to shoot it a little differently, but 90% of my, or 95% of my, my, my pictures are with a wide angle lens. And, you know, I kind of have this feeling that, that I, I designed it, I built it. I, I can give a unique perspective to the photograph versus hiring a photographer to do it. You know, so I wanted to learn enough about photography that I could take good pictures. And the other thing, you know, with 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 social media today and with um, blogging and other things we do as as a marketing, um, I want them to be my projects. I don't want stock photos on a blog, for example. I, I I believe very strongly that it needs to be my photograph, not not my. I mean, I don't necessarily need to be the photographer, but it needs to be my project. So, so that's just a very strong belief of mine. So, so I take a lot of pictures and since I always have my camera with me, if I'm driving by a site and it looks great, I just stop. I, I think so often we're selling experiences to people. So if I'm using pictures in a, in a photograph, I, uh, pictures to, to sell, for example, I want them to see themselves in that landscape. I want them to be able to see themselves drinking a cup of coffee or reading the paper or reading a book. So I'll zoom in and I'll shoot what I call vignettes. So I might get a vignette of a, of a rocking chair on a front porch with some flowers around it. I might get a vignette of, of a fire table and where people might, might be sitting. So I think it's important to get the full picture, but also get these little vignettes of, of where they could see themselves. I, I love that you mentioned vignettes in, in as far as photos of, of, of telling a story of where somebody's going to use the space and um, how they're going to use it. I'm curious in your sales and in, ultimately in your design process, how do you work through with clients about how they're going to use the space? Yeah. So first of all, I very rarely just, am, am when I'm, when I'm talking to clients, I, I very rarely just say, this is the patio. This is the outline of it. This is where, you know, I, that doesn't really tell a story at all, but if I'm selling someone an experience, I, I would more, you know, 
come across like this is your patio. I've got some flowers um, that you can that you're gonna see or or look out through your windows and see these flowers. You'll see your patio. But then we have these couple areas to set. And I almost always in my in my plans will draw furniture and, and things in it. Not, mm. Some of it's for scale, but some of it so it can help a customer see it. But as far as is really putting people in the space. If I'm in someone's yard or if I'm doing a Zoom call with them, I'm constantly pulling up photographs. Mm. And I have all my photographs indexed. So I have indexes for steps. I have indexes for fire tables. I have indexes for boulder walls. I have indexes for all the different things I sell. And I just put all my favorite photographs in those in those kind of indexes. Talk to me about, you know, some of the over the 25 years you've grown you've expanded mm -hmm. and then you've, you've had to contract at times and maybe yeah. downsize. Yeah. And now yeah. like, so tell us some of that and where are you at now yeah. in, in, yeah. The, in the growth journey? Yeah. So, so um, I already mentioned, yeah, I started knocking on doors to selling to sell snow and then that expanded into uh, buying some equipment and, and, um, and hiring some people. So, that really skyrocketed fast. We grew, we grew pretty quickly and um, got to the point where I had over 20 employees, 25 employees. And I was, I was absolutely running Reagan, you know, and, and, you know, Jack, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts and I'm, I don't remember who it was, but someone said to, uh, you know, get your systems in place first and then grow, you know, me, I didn't do that. You know, I, I, I decided to, to take this dive into construction and we grew very quickly without any systems in place. Um, and then, and then 07, 08 happened, you know, the, the big recession in 07, 08. And I had a fair amount of people at the time. I had office staff and, and things were going well, but I was running ragged. And, and with that contraction of the recession, I had to let people go and, and mainly my office staff, we, we shrunk our company in half in terms of people. So I kind of made a decision at that point in time to, to explore technology as much as I can and, and use uh, applications, vector, uh, not vector, applications, uh, software, um, you know, hardware, whatever I can in order to, to be as efficient as I, can, as I can and grow what I can do, to grow what, what my abilities are. And that's worked out phenomenally. That, that's worked out great. And the other thing that I should note, and, and this is just an argument to have your systems in place before you grow, is that when I did this, when we contracted, we build a lot less. Our, our gross came way down, but our net did not. Our, our net actually went up. And, and when I saw my net go up and, and I saw that I wasn't running myself quite as ragged, I thought, you know, this, this isn't bad. I, I'm comfortable with where I am. I, I am, I'm making enough income uh, for me and it allows me to do what I love and, and return really to the designing and, and seeing people's dreams come true. And, you know, so, so I made the decision then that I'm okay with my size. I don't, I don't have to keep growing like crazy. Mm -hmm. And, and I know um, to some pure business people that might sound like heresy and, and awful, um, but it's been fine for us and we have grown. I mean, we, we have grown and we've expanded. I mentioned the furniture and other things, you know, so we've, we've explored other areas and other markets and, and we have grown, um, but we've really focused on our business. So now we're back, uh, we're bigger than we used to be with half the employees and, and our, and our income is, is doing really well. So it, I, I'm really happy with where we are. It, it's a, it's a good, it's a good size right now. That's that's really uh, 
hard to let people go for that reason. And I know yeah. I feel the same way about my people, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and yeah. they're not just a number to me. Right. And right. Um, yeah, I, I haven't had that experience, but I yeah. fear that experience and I don't want that experience. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's not, it's not fun. It, it really was not fun. And, um, you know, but I found, you know, um, the technology has just really helped me a lot. You know, I, it happened to coincide with a time I used to use a different software to design with and, and produce my drawings with. And it was making a change in, in how they were doing business, which was going to increase my cost substantially. So I, I looked at other options and I, I wanted to, I had to buy a new CAD system at that point. Cause I just, I, I wouldn't be able to afford the way this other company was, was changing how they were doing things. So, so I looked at different systems and, and keep in mind, this is probably 2010, maybe 2009 ish, you know, so, so it's a point in time where we were still printing drawings. We were still taking colored pencils and magic markers and coloring over the top of them to, to make plans look pretty when, when we're selling them. You know, 3D things were just kind of coming out and SketchUp was, was around, but, but people weren't really using it an incredible amount yet. You know, so, so when I was looking at it, there were a couple of things I wanted my software to be able to do. One is, is I, I wanted to be able to produce a colored plan quickly. And I also wanted to be able to work in 3D with the software. And I wanted a plan. I wanted software that I could work in 2D and 3D concurrently at the, at the exact same time. You know, so so those were important things to me, and I settled on a on a software called Vectorworks, which I think has been great. Um, so I so I made that change, and the next thing I incorporated was um, uh, getting a GPS surveyor, and and this is this is a few years later now. Um, I just. I just have always looked at things that take me a long time. If something really takes me a tremendous amount of time and I spend a lot of time on it, there's got to be a faster way. There just has to be. So, you know, when I'm measuring a property, it, if I've got to get grades on there, you're, you're kind of creating a grid work in a yard. And it takes you hours to, to measure a yard when, when you're doing that and trying to get it accurate. And then it takes you just as long or longer to import that into a, into a CAD system or a paper drawing. So what I found is that that GPS, um, I, I could buy a surveyor with with it's a GPS unit. It it takes a latitude, longitude, and height above sea level when I measure a site. So if I'm mm -hmm. going along a patio or a, a plant bed or a driveway or whatever, I can label it. So I can just call it driveway, go along the edge of it, and it will give me X, Y, and Z or or latitude, longitude, and and a height above sea level. I can then import that directly into my CAD system, and and it it comes out looking kind of like a, um, a connect the dots. But I also can, within minutes, create a, a 3D image of that or a, or a model of someone's yard. And, and this is amazing to me in that it saves me, you know, what used to take me 20 hours, now I do in about two. That's a tremendous mm -hmm. time savings, tremendous. But on the other hand, you got to look at the accuracy of it. I mean, I can't tell you in the old days how many times I would pull tape measures out, think I have everything perfect. I was really accurate. I was really careful. I design my patio and my guys go out and, and lay it out and install it. And then I get that magic phone call that says, Joe, what? there's an oak tree in the middle of this patio. And <laughs> somewhere along the line, I either made the mistake measuring or I made the mistake transposing it onto a CAD system. Right. You know, but somewhere along the line, I made a mistake. 
I don't make those mistakes anymore. They're they they're not there. So you're using Vectorworks for your designs. You're using the GPS surveyor. Uh, what are what other technology is now part of your your stack that you just couldn't live without? I use an iPad tremendously. Um, I use my iPad probably just as much as my computer. So I have an iPad Pro and I have an, a, a pencil that goes along with that. And it allows me to, I basically have everything I used to carry. You know, think about uh, the days of, of carrying books with pictures in it of different plants and photo albums and, and all these different things that we used to carry to job meetings. Now it's all contained in one little iPad. On my iPad, I have, I have iBooks, which I, I can download all the catalogs I use. I have lighting catalogs, I have paver catalogs, I have fire pit and the furniture catalogs are all in there. So that's really easy. I've got all my photographs. Um, I, I'm Mac based. So I, so I, everything is, is Mac based for me. And when you, when you're on a Mac, you sign in with one single Apple ID and everything links together. But, um, but I'm always using those photos, you know, again, not just to show people so that they, they see what's available and what they can do, but, but it's also qualifying myself and it creates a very high sales level. You know, it, it, it gets to the point where, where people don't call other people. Of course, I, I also charge design fees and I also charge consultation fees. So I don't, well, I don't well let's really, talk about that. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah. you've, you, you, at one point you had like over 20 people, you, yeah, you, you've you've cut down to about half of that. You increase yep. your technology significantly. Yeah. You yep. personally answer the phone. You sometimes have yep. a year wait list. Yeah, and I recommend all my clients to charge for the consultation. And the ones that are doing it are just like they'll never go back. Right there, it just works so well. But there's a lot of fear around doing it. Oh, my customers won't do that. Oh, people in Wisconsin won't do that. I'm sure you you know, but they do and they do it in Texas and they do it in Virginia. I have clients all over the place. Tell us a little bit about charging for the consultation and how do you, how do you get away with that? Right? <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, yeah. And, and I, and I went through everything you just said, I, I, it was very difficult for me to do. I was convinced it wasn't going to work in our market and, and I, and I just didn't think it would. But honestly, it got to the point where I was getting so many leads and so many, so many phone calls. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was not able to respond to everybody. So I was doing a disservice to my customers. I would go out, I'd meet with them. And, and then I, I literally couldn't get back to them. And I don't want to be that right. person, right? <clears throat> yeah. So, so what, I, what I decided to do, I, and at the same time, I spent a tremendous amount of time on a project once. And this was this was the straw that broke the camel's back. I, I was working on a project. The the customer actually shared another another company's drawings with me. Um, just showed just showed me pictures on on his phone. He didn't actually give them to me, but um, so I knew they were talking to other people. And I just you know casually mentioned you know I charge a design fee and and uh, without ever having them to sign a design contract or, or anything. And and I said well that's okay that's fine go ahead you know we'll we'll that that's fine you know so so i spent all kinds of time with them they liked the drawings they liked what i produced i did them all in three mm -hmm. dimensions showed them different options and and i get to the point where i i think i'm going to a meeting to sign a contract i'm all excited it's a big contract it's a beautiful project and and i give them the numbers and i i forget exactly what it was i want to say it was 180,000 or 200,000 dollar project whatever and and they looked at me and, and they're like, we need to explain why you're, you're so much more than your competitor. I got another bid at 
you know, 100,000. It was about half. It wasn't half, but it was, mm-hmm. let's just say it was half. And I, and the part of this project was an elevated patio. You know, you had a bunch of fill and all this different stuff. And, and um, I, I kind of looked at him and I said, well, maybe you need to explain to me why they're half. Why am I wrong? <laughs> and I just went off. Yes. I, I honestly went off. I, I was so angry and so upset. Mm-hmm. And um, it was actually a Zoom call. It wasn't a live call. It was a Zoom call. And and my my wife was in the next room. And I got off that call. And she came over to me. And it's like, you lost that job. <laughs> and I said, yes, I did. <laughs> but but the point was that, was, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And at that point, I said, okay, I am charging design fees. I am charging consultation fees. Some people want to meet in person instead of doing a Zoom meeting. If they want to meet in person at first meeting, that's where I charge a consultation fee. So, so to have that, that, that in-person meeting, I charge them $125 and I don't really adjust it too much if they're a little further away or not. If I'm, if I'm working two mm-hmm. or three hours away, I might make it more just, just to cover mm-hmm. some more of the travel. So now, now we just took two different paths to get to the same point, either a Zoom meeting or a live meeting. At that point, I write a design letter and, and the design letter will just sort of outline exactly what, what we talked about, what the scope of work is. I will usually include some sort of budget. You know, I, I, I've been doing this long enough to know that patios of certain sizes are going to cost a certain amount. You know, we can we can guesstimate about what plantings are going to be, and we can get pretty close to where a project's going to mm-hmm. end up. I do have a form that design letter form on my iPad. So if I am in a live meeting, and I'm 30 minutes away, I can write those things right down on my iPad. They can sign it right there and then. At that point, I'm not charging a consultation fee as much um, because it's incorporated into my design fees. If they choose not to go ahead or, or aren't making a decision at that point in time, then yeah, I'll ask them for the consultation fee. And most people have the check ready for me. You know, I get there and, and they just have it ready for me and are and are ready to go. But if if they're if they're working through um, on the on the design process and uh, signing the contract, then I've incorporated that in. Mm-hmm. But the important thing is I, I have them sign that on my iPad right away, because I don't want to drive 30 minutes again to measure. So I keep I keep my GPS with me. I keep my camera with me. If they tell me to go ahead and and proceed, I measure the project right there and then, and and I take all the photographs and I'm all set and done. How does this actually serve the customer, right? So a lot of times people hear, um, oh, you should charge for consultations, and they their feeling is, and and we we talked quite a bit in this podcast about be, being a good a good customer and paying your bills on time and taking care of people and serving customers. Like I love taking care of people. How does this actually serve the customer? What's in it for them to pay for a consultation? Yeah, well, well, first of all, I make the consultation worth it. So, so let's say, for example, someone has a grading issue. I can pull out that altimeter and, and I, can, I can create a zero mark. I can pace off to their, their uh, swale and say, look, you, know, you just don't have enough pitch for the water to run. This is where your, your problem is. I think that's a very valuable thing to know. I also will give them just my design impressions and, and, and talk about what, what I'm seeing and how, um, you know, you're, you're standing here in your kitchen window and you're staring right out at your, your neighbor's kitchen window. Do you really want to see Mrs. Jones or Mr. Smith in their pajamas every morning or every night? Or would you rather have an evergreen or some sort of fence or something in between or some sort of element to, to block that? So, so I think they're getting real, real information from me on that. So I think it makes the, the consultation fee worth it. But on the other side, I've already given them the choice to meet with Zoom for free. So I can explain to them how I work 
and, and kind of go through a lot of things with them without charging them. So, well, Joe, hey, this has been so great, um, you know, talking with you and learning about your journey from doing door to door to sell snow removal to growing your company to um, growing it now. And, you know, I think one of the things that you're really enjoying the work you're doing and you enjoy yeah, doing am. design and you're in, I, you're enjoying the technology you're using. So yeah. I think, I think, I think it's inspiring because so often we hear on, on business podcasts and things about how you have to keep growing and become the yeah. biggest thing ever. And you, you don't necessarily, yeah. you, you can, you can grow a great company and have a great size. And one of the yeah. things I love that you said was that your gross revenue went down, but your profit actually went up and yep. you're, and you're happier. So, yeah. um, Congrats, right? That's a pretty cool yeah, well, thanks. That's yeah. a accomplishment, yeah. I think. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Landscaper's Guide. I love hearing people like Joe share things like being a great customer, right? We want to we want to take care of our clients, we want to take care of our employees, and hey, let's be a good customer to our vendors. Those are key relationships. There's so much wisdom in today's episode. I love meeting with the green industry. And hey, I met Joe at an event at the Breakfast of Champions at the NALP event. I'll be hosting one of those this year in September. We have lots of other really great events coming up. So check out landscapersguide.com events to see a list of our upcoming virtual and in-person events. I'm Jack Justice, and I look forward to talking to you next week.